Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. We'd like to thank every single one of our listeners, particularly some newer ones uh, that have found us and reached out through our website or email and shared encouraging comments about recent episodes. This includes freaks like Ingo Neumeyer, Mike Yarish, and Matt Jones. We welcome you to our strange world. We appreciate your support. Anyone can reach us through radicalresearch.org or directly through our email address, radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. We've also recently been humbled by members of Fluidity, Old, and Pyogenesis who listen to their respective episodes. And, uh, and what can we say? That alone makes all of this worth doing, right? Correct. Humbling stuff. And now a word from our sponsor. Lamentations of the Flame Princess is the mind-bending and merciless tabletop role-playing game full of horror movie and heavy metal atmosphere. Did you know that the late Dave Brocky of Gore co-wrote an adventure for the game? Towers 2 is an adventure which presents an insane situation of two warring brothers who each want to hire the players to help conquer the other and gain control of a brain-melting countryside. Yeah, and um, I think as we mentioned last episode, Hunter, Jim had sent us like a huge handful of books. Yes. I guess it would be two handfuls because you probably couldn't hold them all in one hand. (laughs) Yeah. Towers 2 was one of those, and upon looking at this thing then and now, I'm really impressed, and it, it does make me want to get into role-playing games. I mean, no joke. This this thing looks so fun. On the back, it, it mentions that it's the ultimate in sleaze and sorcery, and it's got this really great drawing. The artwork in this book is probably worth the price alone. The um, artwork is stunning. Yeah. I, I also like the uh, some of the characters' uh, names. There's one called The Suck Thing and one called Osuka the Talkative, which is per- pretty great. If you want a copy for yourself, we have a couple of offers exclusively for Radical Research listeners. For the PDF version of the book, RPG eBooks come in a PDF format. There's a link that includes a 50% discount code. It's only $5. $5? You heard it right, Jeff. $5. (laughs) Oh, wow. You can't get anything for $5 these days. You can't get a Snickers for $5. And we're going to put a link for the purchase of that in our show notes. For the print version, you can get 40% off at the LOTFP web store. It's only 15 euros plus shipping, around $17. Get a package from Finland at LOTFP.com using the coupon code RADICALTT. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-T-T. Offer expires February 28th, 2019. For this episode of Radical Research, episode 24, we are going to go down to Brandon, Florida and find ourselves in the early 80s. There's a band with a name called Nasty Savage, probably not the greatest band name. Uh, but I mean, like, is Slayer or Metallica a great band name? You know, it's funny, like, now because of what they represent, we don't think of that, do we, anymore? No, we don't, but yeah. Yeah, especially Metallica but- seemed kind of dumb and clunky back then. Now it, it, it you know... If you're talking about the great records, it, it it's a mark it's of emblematic. high, high quality. But yeah, and I think Nasty Savage, I feel like that the same way. Obviously, we're doing a, an episode on them, so we, we think very highly of them as well. But yeah, what a dumb name, Nasty Savage. But they were, back in the day, relentless marketers of their now kind of classic Wage of Mayhem demo. Uh, I remember as a young kid kind of getting into the fanzine scene of, of the 80s, mid-80s, their ads and flyers were just everywhere in underground zines, and their flyers would fall out of your mail package. I mean, it just... You couldn't avoid them. 
sort of, you know, kind of as a result of all that self-publicity and mayhem that they were waging, uh, they were featured on Metal Massacre 6, of course, the, the classic Metal Blade comp uh, with a song called XXX. And Metal Blade wasted no time in signing the band. And you got to say, like, Nasty Savage was one of the ultimate Metal Blade bands. Very emblematic of what Metal Blade were doing in 1984 and 85, right? Yeah, they they released their first album, Nasty Savage, in 1985. Great album. Yeah, I mean, early Nasty Savage, you know, like you said, sort of emblematic, you know, mid-80s, thrashy, traditional metal, you know, like aggressive traditional metal that you would find on Metal Blade. Um, But, like, already, like, their idiosyncrasies were beginning to emerge. Like, they had a trademark guitar style from almost the beginning. And as, as we'll see, as we sort of you know, chew through the the next album and the EP that follows, like the guitar style is sort of like the characterizing element in Nasty Savage. There are a few guitar teams um, that crafted such a uh, personal guitar style. I, I'm, you know, and I'm thinking of other like really great guitar teams like Psychotic Waltz, Anacrusis, bands that really kind of made up their own guitar language in terms of harmony and melody. Absolutely, and how they played off of each other. I also think of Mercy yeah. of Fate, who have to be... Oh, yeah, totally. ...who have to be mentioned here simply because it's it, there's a very obvious influence of Merciful Fate on Nasty Savage's uh, first album. And I think Merciful Fate permeated a lot of things back in 85. I mean, Metallica were highly influenced. Megadeth were highly influenced. Fate's Warning were highly influenced. Uh, Slayer. Like, everybody was listening to Merciful Fate for good reason. But you hear it a lot, especially in the vocals of Nasty Ronnie. So, and then we talk about great guitar duels. There's uh, Sherman Denner right there. But yeah, like that first Nasty Savage album, they were kind of dipping their toes in thrash waters. You know, the momentum and intensity of that music was there. But they were sort of like Metal Church in the sense that they never really fully chased speed and dissonance yeah. down that thrash rabbit hole, not to the extent that, you know, others would. Kind of a tough to categorize band, really. Yeah, I kept thinking about like Metal Church, like early Metal Church and like Power Mad. And stuff like that that really straddles that line between thrash and, and heavy metal. But then they had even, yeah, because of, I think Nasty Ronnie's personality, because we're going to get into the guitars heavily when we focus on the stuff we're going to focus on for this episode. But the, on the debut, like Nasty Ronnie, the vocalist, was just really commanding. And and I think some of the lyrics and some of the themes that they were uh, reeling out were certainly from Ronnie's mind, like, you know, they have this weird mixture of like these shadowy occult elements and real life violence. And then you get into some bondage and some metal anthems in there for good measure. Yeah. And then you just get the obnoxious vocals of nasty Ronnie and these really zany, highly memorable guitarists. Well, right. Oh, oh, totally. And if you go to the metal archives page, lyrical themes, sex, crime, metal. <laughs> And, and honestly, what else do you need? We've talked about the Metal Archives lyric <laughs> category before. It's it's my it's the only thing about that site I probably don't care for because come on, I mean, look at Indulgence, which we are going to now. It, you know, yeah, it's it's hard to reduce Nasty Savage to sex, crime, and metal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe, or, yeah, maybe we'll title the episode exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> sex, crime, metal. Yeah, Study sure. Nasty Savage. So the reason we want to talk about indulgence and abstract reality in this episode is simply because they seem like such companion pieces to each other and in kind of a very high moment, high point moment for Nasty Savage in their career. Both you and I, Hunter, I think, believe that this is the band's peak. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They focused their vision for album number two, and um, we got the music we're going to feature here in this episode. The core of the band, you know, we've talked about Ronnie. 
Uh, the guitarists need to be named and named often, Ben Meyer and Dave Austin, and then drummer Curtis Beeson. Those guys went on to record number two. And here we are with Indulgence. I think we should just rip into like the first couple snippets here. And we're going to kind of go sequentially through the album for the most part. Let us do that.
it starts with stabbed in the back and one stabbed in the back stabs you're in it for oh. the duration right yes very yeah, little I mean, let up very little yeah, breathing room no no it's it's pretty much relentless we tend to focus on the guitars i think nasty ronnie is actually kind of an underrated vocalist um i think the i mean he's limited in his technical abilities but like the guy's got a ton of charisma. Oh, that's that's just it. I was just going to say, yeah, maybe maybe he's underrated because he doesn't have, say, you know, dictionary definition talent. But but I but I you know but what is <laughs> what talent? Webster would describe as talent. Right, but I you know, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. No, I, no, I I do no. think you're you're right on the money because he's got just just shitloads of character, and that's what I mean. Metal's all about character in a lot of ways, and I think that he's unique. There's just nobody like him on the planet. Never, never was before or since. You know, you can hear a little bit of that falsetto King Diamond thing, but he's also doing something quite different. I thought I always think he helped. You know, because the guitars have this sort of like panicked vibe about them. He brings in the paranoia and and gives it kind of human form. He does. Yeah. yeah. That's to me the, the kind of overall sound picture of Nasty his, Savage. Really, his lower range is is pretty intimidating. Yeah, like I like it kind of in the way like a syndrome kind of a way. I always wished he had used that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and like too, like you know, it it is thrashy. It is panicked, as you say. But like, there's like already this kind of like crimson glory, like melodic grandeur in this music too. Yeah, that's deeply embedded down there somewhere, and that's so. That's another interesting facet of the band, I think. It's also interesting because I think more recently I had read an interview with Tommy T. Barron from Coroner. He cited Nasty Savage as one of their main influences. And I can see that. Yeah, you're listening to Divination there, and you can hear it. I mean, because the riffing approach is really dexterous. It's very aggressive, but also really fluid. And I mean, that that's kind of what Tommy T. Barron does, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. I, I also, I heard the blueprint for Beg to Differ era prong in Divination wow. when I was going back and listening to this. Okay. I kind wow. of like vice type, you know, just like almost mechanical, like rhythm section. Sure. And I like, I think, I think Beeson's a pretty underrated drummer too. Oh, he's very good. Yeah. I was sturdy as all hell. Yeah. I'm glad he was with them through kind of the, the major period. Yeah, and, and the fractured melodies, that kind of evokes Corner, Voivod, you mentioned Prong, that's all kind of there. So, yeah, there's a lot in this Nasty Savage stew, actually. A lot more than it appears on the surface, I think. I don't think people ever gave them you know enough credit for the depth. Well, and the cover art for Indulgence. Yeah. It's this, like, completely surrealistic landscape. Right. And, like, I, like completely devoid of your typical kind of metal signifiers. Um, which, like, I mean, it, you know, it tells a story. It tells the story of a band with, with greater ambitions. And this was a, um, a guy named Vanderkar. That was his last name. I, I, his first name escapes me now. But he was kind of a local dude and kind of a contemporary of those guys. I think he was a little bit older. But he did, like, sculpture down in Miami, and he did these surrealistic paintings. And uh, he's still kind of an unknown, yet... You know, right. at least in metal, he made his mark with um, with the Nasty Savage album covers, you know, with Indulgence, Abstract, and uh, then Penetration Point as well. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, so let's get back into the snippets for a bit. And I think in the kind of monomaniacal spirit of this band, we're going to just play it. We're going to play three in a row and just immerse in the Savage. Uh, three songs in a row, no commercials. <laughs> 
nasty savage. If you hear any breaks, call us and win 1,000. Yeah. No, this is going to be the title track. We're going to go to Inferno next. And then uh, after that, Hypnotic Trance.
It's the David and Ben show, man. Incredible. <laughs> it really is. Do you hear Nasty Ronnie and the fade out there? Like, it's almost getting into, like, David Vincent, early Morbid Angel. I God, you, you, like, you totally took that, man. Um, I, like, even, like, the beginning of Hypnotic Trance, like, that, like, churning, seething rhythm. Yeah. Like, like you know, and so, obviously, I didn't hear about Nasty Savage in the 80s. Um, I heard about Nasty Savage from Florida death metal bands talking about Sabotage and Nasty Savage is kind of like, you know, the the very beginnings of the Florida metal scene. And, and in, in that song, it's almost like the two worlds collide. I also thought of another highly underrated Florida band who has an amazing guitar team and Nocturnus. Oh, yeah. Like, and I was thinking, like, Nocturnus must have surely held Nasty Savage in tremendous regard. Well, that's just it. In hindsight, you know, you can hear uh, why Nasty Savage was so important because I think there was a time, like I want to say even around the time of Penetration Point, the, the third full length, that they were kind of considered old hat. Yeah. It was weird. And yeah, well. I, I didn't consider them that way, but I, it was really just like a lot of thrash bands. They got bowled over by the wave of death metal and then everybody turned their attention to that and, you know, thrash was old. And... um you know, while some of the cream rose to the top, a lot of great bands were forgotten about. Certainly a lot of really crappy bands that were never good. They got lost in that storm too. But yeah, I guess that's part of the point of the episode tonight is Nasty Savage, man. The best. Yeah, they're incredible. The other thing I want to say about their... Oh, by the way, uh, Lewis Vanderkar. The guy's name was Lewis. So I, I just want to give him his due. But like that stuttering guitar work, I think of it as stuttering. There's, it's all over the place in uh, on this album, but especially in Hypnotic Trance, and uh, there's a little bit of that in Indulgence. Well, even Inferno, actually, the three songs we list, just listened sure. to. It's just got this stuttering thing where they're they're just kind of like tripping you up and making you stumble a little bit. And but it, and it appears in the melodic lines they deliver. It's in the riffs and it's even in their leads. And it's just to me, it's so interesting that these two guys found each other who were so like beautifully complementary in their approach, right? Right. So and dialed in and unorthodox in many ways too. But it sounds so organic. Yeah. You know, like a lot of kind of technical and tricky music sounds very calculated. This just sounds like 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 an unconscious outpouring from their guitars. Oh, for sure. And well, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, the, the fact that it doesn't sound completely laid out and overwrought in terms of its right. planning. It just sort of seethes out of them. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, really. So very good point. You bring up something, you know, about complicated stuff, the most complicated stuff on indulgence and abstract reality. Like, is it tech metal? Is it prototech? Because we're talking about like incursion, dementia and question mark coming up. Um, right. Some of the stuff on abstract, like what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not full bore. But it's definitely on the periphery. I, I tend to have a much more inclusive definition of of tech than a lot of people. A lot of people take a very hardline attitude toward that stuff. Like it tends to be very um, dogmatic, and and I don't I don't hear that. Like to me, I mean, if I, you know, like like okay, maybe Nasty Savage doesn't go as far as like say Mekong Delta or something. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like in terms of the depth and the sophistication of the playing, I mean, I think they're comparable. Yeah. Um, it, it, but like nasty savage is nonetheless, um, anchored by something a little more, shall we say savage. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, it was no. Nah, there's <laughs> but I mean, real, but I mean, really, like you know, the chassis of Nasty Savage is sort of like just seething heavy metal. But yeah. like they, you know, they really just couldn't, you know, contain their their sophistication. Right, and I think that's one of the reasons that, at least for me, and I, I suspect a lot of other listeners at the time, and many more new listeners in hindsight, are kind of surprised by indulgence because it's not. It wasn't totally foreshadowed by the debut. No, you didn't really see the kind of tightness coming or the technicality no, coming. A, yeah, no, you would have to be a very like prescient and and um, you know very uh, thoughtful listener to hear you know the the full scope of indulgence in that first record. I mean, you know, there were breadcrumbs, like we said. Oh yeah, but like that's almost like a sort of retrospective look at it. Definitely, definitely. And the uh, next three snippets we're going to play to round out our little study of indulgence here. Um, I, I've always thought this album kind of got more technical or more complex as it as it went on, more mind-bending. Not, or maybe that was just I, a cumulative effect. But we have Incursion Dementia, Distorted Fanatic, and the Question Mark instrumental. And yeah, I guess I guess none of these songs, I can't ever see them being on the first album. These are products of just, uh, you know, two years later and the maturation and evolution of the band. This is Incursion Dementia, Distorted Fanatic, question mark all in a row. Can you take it?
I am very nearly overwhelmed by the amount of ideas in those last three songs that we heard. <laughs> I mean, really, like, let's, let's just go piece by piece. Yep. So, like, Incursion, I, I hate to belabor certain comparisons, especially geographically adjacent ones, but you get this, like, full-on thrash, and it just melds seamlessly into, like, crimson glory grandeur, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really perfect. Yeah. Um, like distorted fanatic, Matt Johnson once told me that I could find a mind over four comparison in a haystack, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I I would, I would, I would concur, (laughs) (laughs) but am I, am I, am I wrong? Uh, in, in, in regards to. Distorted fanatic. Distorted fanatic. Wow, um, yeah. I'll had I'd have to go back and listen. What what are you re- referencing I, I, in particular? I, just this kind of like bouncy rhythm section and the like the kind of like post thrash like I don't know nebulous omni metal kind of thing going on. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I like I I think that for once I actually have a valid point in regard to my mind over four comparison. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure, I, I'm sure it's there. There's, so many other things abound in this thing, right? That you can just well, piece I mean, out all this thing. stuff. So sure. And, and you said it like the tail end of this album is so rich with ideas and, and quirkiness and technicality and weirdness and like anxiety. I mean, question, yeah. That, I mean, listen to the, like the, you know, King Crimson paranoia, of the the intro to question mark yeah you know yeah i mean it's all there and then that last bit we heard where it almost appears to fall apart and the way they piece it together it's like no we know exactly what we're doing and your band can't do it (laughs) yeah no i mean they're like an incredibly able-bodied band let's go back to to brandon florida we mentioned they're from brandon that's outside of tampa and of course, Tampa is known for Morrisound, famous, famous in metal circles as uh, you know a studio that's just produced a whole lot of classic albums. And Nasty Savage recorded there as well. Jim, this is one of the earlier Jim Morris Morrisound uh, metal productions. It does seem odd that we have not mentioned that yet. Well, there. Well, we've mentioned it now. So, yes. and there you go, because you know Indulgence was there, and so was Abstract Reality, which we're going to move on to. I always find that abstract reality's material breathed a little bit more. Um, yeah, I agree. In terms of, you know, not only the recording, but the performance and the writing, it also at the same time pointed to some stranger ideas and even more dives into unorthodox ways. Do you have that same sense of the EP? Yeah, I, I do. And in fact, the EP was my introduction to this band. What was your introduction? Because I know, of course, you know, I've got a nine and a half years on you. I was kind of buying these as they as they happened, as they came out. How, how did you get into them? I know you said it was kind of through the 90s death metal guys. Um, but what it was your was, what was like, your kind of journey was, back? Yeah, yeah, it, I, I got um, I got abstract reality in 1997, I want to say. OK, so I was like quite late to the party. But um, I was well healed enough as a metal listener at that time that I was able to appreciate it. Like I got, you know, I heard Voivod like way earlier and just did not understand it at the time. Uh, But by the time I got Abstract Reality, it was like I was into tech thrash and all that stuff. And this sort of slotted right into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tangentially. I mean, obviously, like this band, you know, it, it, it avoids classification at, at virtually every turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, 
um, yeah, so that was my introduction to the band. So really for me, it was like I got Abstract Reality, I went back to Indulgence, and then finally got the first album. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember when I got Abstract Reality, I was well into the first two already and all that. But um, And this was a time still when, you know, I just didn't have much income. I was in college and uh, there were, you know, the new metal albums were, you know, I gave them a lot more spins than I would give a new album these days simply because there wasn't as much to choose from and there wasn't as much money to spend. You know, you just had to kind of sit with these new albums you bought and, and live with them. And, and this was one of those where it was just like a constant thing on the turntable, just always there. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's like everyone's experience, though. Like, I, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was in my teenage years and like, you know, and in college, too, like and just not having a ton of money and you would just buy a record. And honestly, like back then, you said like there's less to choose from. The hit to miss ratio was much higher. So <laughs> yeah. like you could like I mean there were certain you know indicators it was like okay this has got you know Dan Seagrave artwork or this is on Earache or this is on Roadrunner whatever mm-hmm. like that, it, it, there was a, a certain confidence built into those things but I, I mean I remember like listening to albums just over and over and over and over yeah, yeah. and I actually kind of like I feel sort of badly for kids these days because like imagine getting into metal in 2019. And having to trace back this, say, I mean, say you were genuinely interested in like metal, like into like 1980 or something. Yeah. And having to trace back from now until then. I mean, what an overwhelming task. Well, it is overwhelming. I, I, in one sense, I can see how that would be so much fun, uh, even though it is overwhelming, simply because I did that with 70s Prague, you know, and you did too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're you're just faced with this like huge geographic output and you have to kind of puzzle through it and just kind of figure it all out and uh, make some stabs and, and see what you like, see what you don't. I also remember making a lot of like just blind purchases back then. Like, like you said, there were a lot of signifiers as to like, Oh, it's on this label or it's got this producer or this artwork or this guitarist. It was easier to do, but man, I would never, never walk into a record store these days and just pick up something I had no idea what it, what it was. It just, oh, no. it no. just, it just seems too risky, but yeah. So I just, my, my memory of abstract reality is a really good one in terms of uh, just having lived with it so much um, in that particular year. And also, you know, not for nothing, it was just that great. And right. I always so wish it could have been a full length because the, the one, the album after this, while having some terrific moments, it's, it, it kind of dumbed itself down a little bit. I guess maybe we'll talk about that at the conclusion of this episode. But abstract to me just sounds absolutely perfect. The recording is just a little less clamped down and tight than indulgence. It allows the stuff to just flow a little easier. I mean, it's such a great EP. It's it's one of my very favorite EPs, actually. I mean, you talk about the great metal EPs of the 80s, whether it's like, okay, my favorite ones are like the first Queensryche, Warlords Deliver Us, although that feels more like a mini album. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, Slayer's Haunting the Chapel. Haunting the Chapel, yeah, of, of course. course. <laughs> and, and the Swan Song by Possessed, Eyes of Horror. I always put Abstract Reality right up there with those. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into the title track, which is, you know, this one and Eromantic Vertigo are really two of my favorite Nazi Savage moments, period. But let's just check out the title track and uh, we'll, we'll puzzle it out when we get back. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's unpack that madness. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it. I just said the word unpack. Sorry, I knew I knew we were gonna trying to stay away from that for our first hundred episodes, but yeah, but no, hey, but maybe I, it's time to finally unpack. The only thing I'm unpacking is a suitcase full of Belgian beer after I get back from Brussels. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, a little more dramatic shading there, more inventiveness, more creativity. I also like the way they take that kind of da 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 that theme, and just sort of like lift it into another key at the end, there. right? Yeah, and they, and they kind of mutate out. it a little bit and make it uglier. Yes. And there's more and there's more reverb on Ronnie's voice. Yeah, and like and and more attention to the the rhythm as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, more time changes, more trickery. But it, it's like, but it's so inconspicuous. You know, it's like it's not like a band showing off. It's just a band sort of following its own weird instincts. And that's it, man. That's kind of sums them up too. Weird instincts. That's really what they're all about. And and um, and, and they burn so brightly for such a short time. I mean, this is three years on from the debut. We get another album after this, and yep. that's it. Yep. Well, and you you mentioned the you know the Chuck thing. Oh yeah. Right? Well, as we were listening to that song, I, I noticed that some of those guitar leads just resemble Latter Day Death somehow. I totally hear that. Yeah, like. But some, I mean, like you know, Chuck was on record as a you know a huge fan of Nasty Savage. Oh yeah, totally, totally. So, who knows, man? Maybe they would have been more well regarded if they had had a better uh, name and logo. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, the logo's also a bit lacking, isn't it? Fickle metalheads, I guess. Well, yeah, but it's one of the, again, as we said, it's one of those things where it means something now. We know what it means, and then it just kind of takes on a new shade, but. But it's not um, yeah. like death is a great name or had a great logo. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let's, uh, we're not going to play unchained angel, uh, the same way we didn't play XXX from indulgence. We're going to kind of stay away from these older tunes. Cause those kind of go back to that earlier 1984 era, nasty savage. We really wanted to focus solely on 87, 88, Nothing wrong with those songs. Unchained Angel is an excellent addition to this EP. You can tell it's an older song, but I don't think the EP is weaker for it. But we're going to listen to the two newer ones, uh, E-Romantic Vertigo, which the ending of this has possibly one of my favorite Nasty Savage riffs ever. Definitely top three. And then a song that's unfortunately called You Snooze, You Lose. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, I mean, musically. Also, Nasty Ronnie says You Snooze, You Lose in it. Well, right, exactly. It's it's a double whammy, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's almost like using the title of a movie in the movie. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was actually like the most egregious example. I think is in the the 1997 film Snake Eyes featuring Nicolas Cage. Oh wow, I haven't seen and it, but tell like, me about it. You, you probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have seen it either. Um, it's like I, at one point he's like, like he like you know. Um, has his comeuppance on his, his nemesis and he's like snake eyes. Oh no, man. See, that's, like, yeah, oh, that gets into like dumb comic. For this. Yeah, yeah. That gets into dumb comic book world. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I had to go through that. <laughs> anyway, you snooze, you lose is a fantastic song despite the title. So check that out. And we're going to start it with uh, eromantic vertigo.
Wow. I mean, all the bizarre whammy bar stuff there. Dude, I mean, you snooze, you lose is a full-on foray into prog thrash. The harmonies, like the modulations, all that, like incredibly sophisticated. I mean, as a band at the peak of its powers. I completely agree. That segment is just so incredible. Those super weird double lead harmonies, like you mentioned, just forget about it. There's just not much metal better than that. Really incredible. And I think, again, that's, you know, we we began the episode and we'll end it by by saying that Ben Meyer and, and David Austin were just really, really, really creative players. And they brought they brought the weird, and that's what we're that's what we like here. So that's what we're about. It's all good. Um, and then a little bit about Penetration Point. How about because what do you what's your take on this album? Eh, it was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah, same here. Right. I, and I think it, even at the time for a lot of people, you can't totally dismiss it. I mean, to me, stuff like Horizontal and Puzzled and Ritual Submission those are those are fantastic. Those might have well have been in, yeah, from an indulgence. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm I didn't mean to disparage it wholesale because it does have its moments. But it's you can tell they're starting to retreat from like the path that they had forged, you know, up up to abstract reality. A little bit, I think. I think Ben and David, they're 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 really good on it. I mean, they they could probably play anything and be at least good. But I think Ronnie's sort of overbearing lyrical tangents messed the album up a little bit here and there. I mean, I'm talking about Welcome Wagon and Family Circus. I mean, that those those titles alone are kind yeah, like, of cringeworthy. No, no metal record. No metal record needs to have a song title called Welcome Wagon. Yeah, it opens up with that like doorbell and says Welcome Wagon. Like, no, 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 no. And then like he was a big fan of wrestling. He did some wrestling, and uh, that's a thing that neither you or I get whatsoever. I I, I hate to even say wrestling because I feel like I've wasted three seconds of my life saying it. <laughs> but like. Power Slam is about wrestling and <laughs> it's called Power Slam. Yeah. It's just got some dumb lyrics that I think is what we're trying to say. All respect to Ronnie. He was a really creative lyric writer for sure. And that's it. They reunited for one album called Psycho Psycho Later. Same lineup as Penetration Point, which means the core four plus uh, bassist Richard Bateman, who did a little bit of time in Agent Steel back in the day. Psycho Squared, as, as the kids call it, is kind of penetration point level at best. It's not quite the twisted, mutated metal of the material we've spotlighted in this episode. So indulge us in abstract reality, man. Top tier weird metal awesomeness. So for episode 25, Jeff and I will be exploring the strange and fascinating world of Peton the somewhat shadowy producer of many, many classic Norwegian black metal records, proprietor of Grieg Holland, also proprietor of Reverb. <laughs> yeah, I think we're really going to try to focus as much on the sound and sort of what the product of Grieg Holland was as the bands themselves, really. It actually will be well, more on the sound, I think. And, um, and the very mercurial sound, because all those records sound completely different. They do, but Peyton was one of these producers where you could listen and go, oh, that's him. This is Grieg right. Holland right here. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to kind of celebrate the diversity yet distinctive uniqueness of Peyton and Grieg Holland. And uh, we're going to try to find some stuff that he did that, some of you may not be that familiar with because um, he didn't just do Norwegian black metal. They just ended up coming to him quite a bit. So uh, we'll have a little bit of fun with that episode. So please join us on episode 25 of Radical Research. Signing off, this is Jeff Wagner. This is Hunter Ginn. We love you, or at least most of you.
the ones that don't like Nasty Savage can leave the hall. Wimps and posers. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>